0: To thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
1: And all God's people said, well, I guess we can all go home now. That was, that was great. Good evening, church. We we just love being together, don't we? And it kind of feels a little bit like the early church. You know, they just met together every day, had fellowship, and shared together. And while we don't do it every day, it's really nice when we have a few days together. And so we've been thinking and praying about awakening, that the Spirit of God would somehow move and would awaken us. And so in the midst of my prayers and my thinking for especially this evening, I've been asking two questions. Here they are. One, God, what do you want to do tonight? And God, what do we need tonight? What do you want to do and what do we need tonight? for me I just need to see Jesus I just need to see Jesus If I could see him if I could touch him if somehow he could reach in and touch me, the the deepest parts of my mind, my heart, if I could just feel his touch tonight, I'd go home and know that it was going to be okay. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever the future might hold, if you could just see Jesus, it would be all right. And so I've been thinking about that whole idea that somehow if I could just see him, if, if he could touch me somehow, that, that my seeing would lead to being. And that somehow the more I see him, the more in touch I am with him, that I would have this increased desire to pattern my life after him. And I would be more capable of living out the call that's upon my life To move a little bit closer to that red Corvette. To just be a little bit more like what I was really designed uh, to be able to be. But if I want to see Jesus, I probably ought to know what he looks like. That seem reasonable? If if I want to see Jesus, it'd be a good thing if I knew what he looked like. And so, do you know what Jesus looks like? Do you have an image in your mind when you begin to think about Jesus, what he might look like. And so I brought some pictures with me tonight. Maybe it'll help you to just think about Jesus a little bit. We have a first picture up here is thinking about Jesus. Is that Jesus as you think about him? That's kind of that classic Jesus. That's the Jesus from my childhood. And there is just this sense of his inviting presence. Man, oh man, I see Jesus. Or maybe he looks a little bit more like this Jesus. The Jesus who sits with little children. Who has this complete sense of humility. Or maybe he's a little bit more like this Jesus. And there's just that peace, that sense that he is the gentle shepherd. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to show you another picture. I need to set this up just a little bit. A couple of years ago, there were a group of biblical scholars and biblical historians that began to look at all the information of what we know about Jesus, what we know about people of the Middle East in that age, and they began to think through kind of scientifically, biblically, historically, what Jesus might really have looked like, and they came up with this portrait of Jesus. Do you all have that Jesus in mind? That's not exactly the Jesus that we might have imagined. In fact, to look at that Jesus tonight, it might be just a little bit uncomfortable for you to think about that Jesus, but that's kind of the portrait of what Jesus might have actually looked like. And that's kind of important because for us, if if I'm not sure what Jesus looks like, then I'm not always sure which way to go, which way to turn. A long time ago, when our three girls were all still very small, uh, Debbie and I had gone to speak at a high school camp in another state. We were gone a week, and then we took a week of vacation. And during that time, Debbie's parents watched our three girls. In those days, I had a big mustache, that my girls had never known me without my mustache. And so on that week of vacation, I just decided, you know, I'm getting rid of it. And so I shaved it off. And so we come driving in to home, and and we get out of the car, and here come the three girls, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. And here comes Shauna, who is barely two. She comes running out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And she gets right up to me and stops And there is fear on her face. The voice was right. The face was wrong. She began to cry and ran away from me. Because I was not the daddy she had imagined. I was not the daddy that she thought she knew. And so for all of us here tonight, whether you realize it or not, we have all developed an image of Jesus, what he's like. Not just so much about his physical appearance, but more about his nature, about his character, about the way he lived his life when he was in the flesh here on earth. And so all of us have this image of what Jesus was like. In fact, in many ways, your Christian experience has been built on that image. You have kind of lived in to the Jesus that you have imagined. And that becomes more important than we often consider because if I have imagined a Jesus that is not like Jesus, as I begin to move that direction, but if Jesus is something very different, over a period of time I can get to a place where I am living a life that is completely apart from who Jesus really is. And so it's important for us to be able to see Jesus clearly. In just a moment, I'm going to show you two other images, but I need to set them up. I must tell you in advance that both of these images are offensive, but you need to see them. Because these are images about how a lot of people see Jesus these days. Let me show you the first one. This is the American Jesus. It's a, an image of Jesus wrapped in an American flag that is nothing like Jesus. He is not Republican. He is not Democrat. He is not a nationalist. He is not for America. He calls for us to be for him. He calls for us to give our lives completely to him. And so if I begin to live into the American Jesus over time, I will look nothing like Jesus. I want to show you another image. Uh, This is offensive as well, but you need to be able to see it. This is hipster, hipster Jesus, okay? It is a popular image that Jesus today is this cool hipster guy that's all about certain things that characterize a certain generation and there are certain things that are so popular. And so he is our hipster, Jesus. And again, if we spend enough times living into what we think Jesus may be like, we will end up being miles and miles away from who Jesus really is. And so tonight it becomes the great task for all of us to be able to understand who Jesus clearly is. See, it's not enough to just be a believer. Amen? Satan's a believer. That's a terrifying thought. That did not work out very well for Satan to be a believer because believing by itself does not have the power to transform you. It's not a magic bullet. You must believe deeply in the real Jesus and then by the power of the Holy Spirit begin to align your life, begin to pattern your life in ways that will actually transform you so that day by day you become more and more and more like the real Jesus. And so the question for us tonight, if you saw Jesus, if you saw the real Jesus, would you recognize him? Would you run in sheer joy to be able to embrace him? Lord Jesus, here I am. Or would perhaps we be a little bit more like my little girl who in fear backed away because he's not the Jesus I had imagined. And so tonight, we just need to go to Scripture. Would it seem like Scripture would be a good place to find Jesus? So I'm just kind of thinking that's the best way to see the real Jesus, is to let Scripture speak. And so if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope you did, would you turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 8? And I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 in just a moment, but I need to set it up just a little bit for you, so that you'll understand a little bit about the Gospel of Mark and the context that that proceeds and wraps around chapter 8, where we'll begin to read. About 35 years after Jesus had finished his ministry here on earth, there was this large and growing group of Gentiles, uh, mostly Greeks. There were these Greek Gentiles that had come to believe in Jesus. Now, you need to understand that these Greek followers of Christ had come from a spiritual tradition where the Greeks had a God for everything. They had a God for everything and they knew very little about the Jewish idea of Messiah, about one God, about the kingdom of God and so they're having to try to figure it out. Who is this Jesus? Was he just a good man that, that did magic tricks that made people feel a little better? Or was he, in fact, the one true God who had come to set all things right? And so Mark writes his gospel to these Greek Christians that they might know the real Jesus. So in the future, whenever you take time to read Mark's gospel, that's part of the context that he's writing it to a group of people that had come from a completely different culture that had no idea who this Jesus was, and he wanted them to see the real Jesus. And so now chapter 8 begins where Jesus is he's testing his young leadership team, the disciples. He's going to turn the whole deal over to them in just a little while, and they're going to have to lead a global move, movement to try to take the good news of the gospel to the whole world. And so in that context, understanding Who is receiving this letter, and who are the characters in the background? We read these words. Mark 8, verse 1, would you listen to the word of the Lord? Now, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. His disciples said, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Now the test is simple. You have 4,000 people that have been with the Lord and with the disciples for three days They're exhausted. They're hungry. If they had any supplies, they're all gone. Now what do we do? Jesus turns to them and says, what should I do? Should I send them home? Now, if you've grown up in the disciples' world, the answer is yes. Send them home. If they stay, bad things will happen. Now, to be fair to the disciples... They had no box to put Jesus in. They had no way to understand the creator of the universe that had put on flesh and become one of them. They had no way to comprehend this kingdom that was breaking in on them, and so it was a a stretch. It was always a stretch for them to be able to comprehend what was going on. Everything that they thought they knew about their world, about the old kingdom, was now becoming uncertain. Old kingdom, water. We all know water is water. Now, new kingdom, Jesus has come. Water can be walked on. Water can now be the highway to go across the lake. Water can now be the best wine that you've ever tasted. Jesus is now Lord of the water. And he is the living water. And they have never known a world like this. How do you even get your mind around that? Diseases no longer need a doctor. They no longer need a potion or a pill. You you can't buy the healing. You can't manipulate the healing. But if you believe and if you ask, all things are possible. And so now this world, this new kingdom is breaking in and they've just never experienced anything like it. So to just remember just a little bit before chapter 8, there was this other story where Jesus had fed 5,000. And it was a great miracle. But now then, faced with 4,000 hungry people, the disciples don't seem to know what to do. You see, they were letting the situation define the Jesus that they were looking at, rather than letting Jesus define the situation that they were facing. Now, y'all have never done that, have you? You've never allowed the situation to define Jesus, but down in the valley, they sometimes do that, okay? That's why y'all live in glory land up here, but sometimes real human people let the situation define Jesus rather than letting Jesus define the situation. So let's remember here for just a moment, Mark is writing to the Greek followers, these Greek believers, and they didn't have Bibles. But when they came to church, when they came to community, they would come together, and they didn't get a sermon like this. Instead, they had the gospel. And they would come and sit, and perhaps they had a meal, and perhaps it went on for hours And hours, and they might have sat and heard the entire gospel story at one reading. Imagine what that would have been like. You're trying to figure out who Jesus is, and it's miracle, and it's miracle, and it's healing, and it's amazing, and this God is now the Lord of the water, and He can do anything that He speaks to. He is completely other. He is revealing himself as God Almighty. And so now then there is this whole new thing that has broken in. And how are we going to be able to respond to him? And so these Greek followers, they're hearing this account. And you can just imagine what they might have begun to think. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Disciples... Misunderstand, misunderstand, misunderstand. Miss the point, don't seem to get it, always fall short. Well, I could just imagine that at that point, these Greek followers would begin to say, come on, disciples, why do you keep missing it? Miracle, 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 come on, all the miracles. And somehow Mark was helping them to begin to see who Jesus really was. But then I've been thinking about all of us. Any of you all ever forgotten the miracles that Jesus did for you in the past? I have. All the times when Jesus showed up. All the times when Jesus came through. And then there's a new little thing that I'm facing, and it seems as though Jesus never did anything at all for me because I've forgotten. In the first year of our marriage, we'd kind of gotten to a place where we were pretty short on money. We were both full-time students. She had one part-time job and we were living on that. And so it was tight. And so we got up one Sunday morning and we're getting ready for church. And you look at the checkbook and in those days there was no Venmo, there were no credit cards, there was none of that stuff. And we were broke. There was enough money in the account that we could pay our tithe or we could pay our rent that was due the next day. Well, who is Jesus? What's he look like? What kind of Jesus is this man that we say we're following? And so we prayed and we asked God and we get to church and we look at each other and we write the check and we put it in the plate and we have no money to pay the rent. And so on the way home from church, well, let's stop by the mailbox, pick up whatever mail's there. There was a letter from my grandparents. I'd never gotten a letter from my grandparents. Wonderful, godly people, but they weren't letter writers. And so we opened the letter, and and so what did Grandma and Grandpa have to say to us? And we had not shared a word of anything with my parents, with Debbie's parents, with anybody about our financial condition. And the letter simply said, Dear Rob and Debbie, we love you guys. We're so proud of you. We just kind of sensed the Spirit saying that we should write a check. And they weren't people of means. You knew that in writing a check, it was a sacrifice. And so we trust that this will be a blessing. It was the exact amount of our rent. Can I tell you in that moment, I knew exactly what Jesus looked like. It was crystal clear. 2020, I knew what Jesus looked like. Fast forward a few years, but still in the early years of our marriage, and there were other times that we were short on cash, and we didn't do so well. There were some times that we made some poor financial decisions. It took us a while to dig out of. And it was like we had forgotten everything that Jesus had ever done for us. That's the way the disciples were. That's what Mark one of these Greek followers to see and to understand who Jesus really was. And so he keeps writing to help them to understand. And so he goes on in the account and Mark follows it with the account then of a a blind man. And scripture says that Jesus touched the blind man's eyes twice and he saw everything clearly. That's how Scripture puts it. He saw everything clearly. Now, you have to remember that Mark is writing with a purpose. He wants the people to see Jesus clearly. So these would not have been wasted words. Mark tells them, the blind man saw everything clearly. You want us to see everything clearly as well. Right, Lord? You want us to be able to see that way. The disciples, they're struggling, but we're beginning to see who Jesus really is. So then it goes on, and Jesus and the disciples are back on the road, and he asks them, so what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? What are you seeing? Who do you see me to be? And Pete speaks up and says, you're Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Good job, Pete. You passed straight A's. That's awesome. Now don't tell anybody, at least not yet. And then the account goes on, and the very next thing that we read is Jesus telling his disciples he has to go and suffer. And they're gonna kill him. But three days later, he's gonna rise again. And so here's what is being revealed that the real Jesus is gonna conquer death by dying. And the real Jesus is gonna be the victor by losing. And the real Jesus is gonna be seated in the seat of highest honor by being humiliated in the worst kind of execution. And everything was being turned around. And Mark explains then that Peter in the midst of all of this takes the Lord aside and rebukes the Lord. Can't you just imagine all those Greek listeners saying, whoa, that's not going to go good. That is not going to go well at all. Uh, When I was uh, still in the early years of college, During each summer, I got to work at Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company in Bakersfield, and the guy who owned this plant was this giant of a man who wore thousand-dollar suits and smoked great big cigars, and he just thought he owned the world. He didn't really do anything in the plant, but when he walked in, he thought he owned the world, and he'd say, you go do this, and you go do this, and the bosses would come behind and kind of clean up after the owner. One day, we were all working out in the yard, and And there was a new guy that had just been hired. It was his second day. And so we're all doing our jobs out there in the yard, and and in walks the owner, got his big old cigar, and he's just all of that. And he walks in and looks at new guy and says, I want you to go right now, and I want you to go take care of that. And new guy didn't know who he was, and he had some special words for the boss. (laughs) You can just leave me alone because you ain't telling me what to do. And all of us kind of stepped back and said, whoa, that's not going to go well. <laughs> and he got fired right on the spot. Well, we don't know exactly what Peter said to Jesus. But we're real clear about what Jesus said to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Those are the kinds of words that Satan would speak. Because what did Satan actually say to Jesus? Lord, take the stones and turn them into bread. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about the others. Take the easy way. You don't have to go through this. Peter was looking for the, the wrong Jesus. He was looking for a Jesus that fit him. He was looking for a Jesus that would give him the comfortable way. He had an image of what he imagined that Jesus would be like and Jesus wasn't like that at all. And what Jesus wanted to help Peter to understand, if I live into your image, you will never understand what my father is like. And if I become like this, then you'll never know what you're supposed to be like. And so you need to pay attention, Pete. And so then the section finishes with these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me, for my sake, for the gospel, will save it. And so Mark wanted these Greek followers, to see who Jesus really was. And they began to get it. It wasn't about bread, and it wasn't about water. It was about being able to see who Jesus really was, that He was the creator of all things, that He wasn't like any of the others. He wasn't like the Pharisees. He wasn't like the scribes. He wasn't like the priests. He was like the Father... See me, you will see the Father. If you could see the Father, you would see me, that you may be like me. And so what does the real Jesus look like? He's the creator of the universe who sits with Samaritan women who are despised and little children who are rejected, and he loves them. He is the great I Am, the Holy One of God, who calls lying Abraham and cheating Jacob and stuttering Moses and murdering David and 12 disciples that were completely unqualified to lead a world-changing movement. And he said, come and be my people. He is the Lord of lords, disguised as a humble servant who embraces lepers and has compassion on the mentally ill. He is the one who calls scandalous women like Rahab. He is the one who reaches out to the unqualified and gives them gifts to be able to serve and lead. He is the king of kings who led legions of angels who laid his life down to die on a cross. Can you hear Mark saying to those followers, do you see him now? Do you see him clearly? Would you be willing to surrender your images of who you think I am to let me show you who I really am? And I think that's the call for us tonight. Let me go back to the red Corvette. I want you to be able to see it because it's just, you all have been talking about it, and so I just had to bring it back in. This is the image into which we were created. We are to be like God. But because of the fall, this is what we look like. And I must say, you made it all look very nice tonight, okay? You dress it up very well. But the truth is, we are a broken people. And so in our brokenness, what we really want to do is create a Jesus in our image. One who fits us. One who will serve us. But Jesus says, don't ever forget. Next picture. I am calling you to something more. I am calling you to healing and to blessing and to transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your lives. And so tonight, the question is very simple. Do you see Jesus clearly? Can you see him now? Would you be honest tonight in the stirring of the Spirit to maybe say, you know, there are some things that have maybe maybe shaped my Jesus See, everybody brings a story. Whatever pain you've had in your life, it has shaped Jesus. Whatever failures, whatever successes, whatever struggles, whatever events, your mom, your dad, your lack of a mom, your lack of a dad, the school that you went to, the college you never got into, all of that has contributed to shape in some sense the Jesus that you see. And he says, would you let me just strip it all away? Would you let me take you to the depth of who I am? I'm the God that does things you can't understand. I present mysteries that are beyond you, but I will draw you into them and lead you through them that you might serve to my glory. And so tonight, I've I've asked Rob and the band if, if they would just come again and And I want to just have a a closing song tonight. And I trust that this evening as, as they sing, that you would just be sensitive to the Spirit. I don't know what the Spirit is saying to you tonight. Is there anything in your life that has clouded Jesus out? Is there anything that you've been doing to try to make Jesus what you want him to be? How are your patterns? How are your rhythms that help you to see Jesus? How much are you living in this word? See, I find that when I'm just always soaking in the word, Jesus becomes clear. The further I get from here, the further I get from fellowship, the further I get from serving, he just becomes a little more foggy. And so tonight, I just want to invite you to draw near to Jesus. Let me close where I began. I just need to see Jesus. I need to see him for who he is. I need to let him show me who he is those places where I've gotten it wrong. The images that have blinded me. And so tonight, as the the band leads us in a song, if you want to just come and seek the Lord tonight, then I would invite you to just be obedient. I want to see Jesus. And so Lord, Lord, We just ask now that as your people are obedient, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see who you are, to see who you called us to be. Open our eyes and and prepare our hearts that we might draw close to you. Lord, we love you. But we want to see you clearly. So Lord, just be with us now. Help us. Be with us in these moments. We ask these things in your precious name. Would you stand? If you desire to come, then I invite you to come as we sing
0: together this evening. Open my Lord, here we are tonight
1: We long to be like you But we confess that sometimes we've missed you Sometimes we have imagined you in ways that you never wanted us to see Wanting you to be something that you never were But Lord, tonight we pray that you would touch each one and that we would see you more clearly. That we would long for you to move deeply in our lives. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful congregation. I thank you for their faithfulness to you. For their service to the kingdom. And so Lord, help us together in these days to continue to seek your face, to know your ways that we might be the people that you called us to be. And so, Lord, guide us and direct us and bless us. And we ask these things in your precious son's name and all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. I am so thankful that you come tonight. I am so thankful that you've been a part of this week and look forward to tomorrow night and the following night so tonight again let me speak a blessing over you may the Lord bless you and keep you and may he send you to your place to your home to your work as his agent and may he help you to see who he is clearly that others may see him through you. Lord, bless them and send them, we pray, asking these things in your name. Amen Amen. and amen. Go in peace. We'll see you tomorrow night.